Pulp MX Network production. EVS Sports brings you a cheeky Brit and an American YouTube racing sensation weekly on the LVK More Than Moto podcast. Here's your hosts, Lewis Phillips and Kellen Brower. Yeah, welcome everybody into episode three of EVS Sports' LVK More Than Moto podcast. Lewis Phillips is here from Vital MX. I'm Kellen Brower from RacerX. Lewis, on his phone, as the show starts, very excited to join us here today to talk about moto stuff, more than moto stuff, and get into a lot of different topics that hopefully we did not hash out on the Pulp Show. We're going to try to make it a little bit different because there's already been a lot of us this week. Yeah, there's been a lot of Kellen in my life, oh, boy. Um, but I'm not complaining. That was not a complaint. That was a um, sincere statement of gratitude. Well, thank you. I mean, I, I enjoy having your company. I thought it was fun last night on Pulse. Yes, thank you. I, yeah. I enjoyed your company as well, Kellen. Thank you. Yeah. Um, real quick before we get into our sponsors and a big thanks to them. Uh, San Diego, another kind of half mutter thing situation, I guess. I'm sick of the mud. Are you? Yeah, although the mudder in recovery was very interesting because <laughs> it was so techy that it really put the riders to the test. I was, so I like that. Yeah. I was surprised how many riders... Uh, have said that they felt it was a dry track, though. It was dry in the main event. In the main event, it, dry is a relative term because the second you got off of the dry line, it was not dry. Well, so. no, like you, there were there were riders using different lines. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it was just techie. Yeah. I, I didn't see much uh, sloshing about in the main event. Not much sloshing about. That's true. Um, so we'll get into a couple topics in regards to that from San Diego. Before we do that, I want to give a big shout out to EVS Sports. Over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Norn, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. We also want to thank Nomura for presenting this show, the leading provider of engine components for motocross, ATV, UTV, and personal watercraft for over two decades. Nomura has been the preferred choice for premium and dependable engine components for more than 20 years. Whether you're restoring your vintage bike, rebuilding your four-wheeler, or upgrading your new 450 race motor, Nomura has you covered. Our extensive line of cast and forged pistons, connecting rods, gasket kits, engine valves, and soon cylinder kits that enhance your engine's performance. Keep an eye out for our new and innovative products in 2024 and beyond. Stay up to date by following us on Instagram at Nomura underscore technologies. And lastly, of course, presenting the show, Race Tech Suspension. They will also bring you guys the fan question of the week uh, this week as well. And for 40 years, Race Tech has been supplying the motorcycle industry with high quality suspension components made right here in the USA. For modern to vintage, Race Tech is your go-to source for suspension performance. Big shout out to those guys for bringing you guys LVK more than moto episode number three. Uh, so Lewis, we've got ourselves kind of three moto topics we're going to get into, and we're going to change the format a little bit this week and have the more than moto stuff at the end. We also have that fan question, which is going to be kind of more of a moto topic <clears throat> as well. But as you and I talked about on the pulp show, you know, just we're still kind of learning this format of the podcast and we wanted it to not feel like a review show. So that's why we had the more than moto stuff in the middle, but we'll put it at the end so that, you know, if you want to tune out after that, then you can, right? Yeah. It's a, it's a fluid situation. Yeah. Ever changing. <clears throat> Cause we like talking about the more than moto stuff. Honestly, I enjoy it more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's fair, but now that maybe makes it good because then we can really dig into it at the end of the show instead of feeling like we're jumping between topics. Right. Yes. I agree. Yes. But I do think it was good for us to do it. Uh, 
near the beginning to start with just to make it clear that this is not necessarily a moto podcast yeah exactly um so let's start off with our moto topics this week and the first one is it's a moto topic but it is more of a um not racing specific topic i guess is is how you would you would phrase this one um and it's media kind of answering their own questions when you go to ask a writer you obviously have a question in mind and you want to see what their opinion is on something but I feel like, and you're, you'll get into this a little bit further, it seems like the media sometimes will kind of answer the question for the writer and expect the writer to add to that. And we kind of need to be better about that. Yeah, so we stole this topic um, from the Vital MX forum, a place where sane people go to spend their time. And it's a good topic. I enjoy topics like that because it sheds some light on what essentially our customers want. Because that is, we're providing a service at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah. Um, and obviously, um, I'm sure I speak for you as well when I say that I want to be better. So seeing people's people critique uh, my style or just the media's style in general is genuinely uh, fascinating. And it is interesting because I do do that occasionally. I don't think I'm one of the worst in the industry for it, but I do do it occasionally, mm-hmm. sometimes by design, because sometimes. I'll do it to get a more pointed answer. Right. And I guess, in a way, that's me having a lack of faith in the rider I'm interviewing. Because I'm like, I'll ask the first part and I'll subconsciously go, well, they're just going to, they can go so general and vague with this. I better really narrow this down yeah. to basically give them nowhere to go. Yep. Um, but then that's, I guess, that's different because you that's where it's there are almost two instances because you could answer the question by saying hey kellen tell me about your morning it was great right and then you are really pigeonholed and all you can say is yes yeah whereas if i said hey kellen tell me about your morning it's open-ended i'm sure if you could even add i'm sure it was i'm sure it was great (laughs) that's a little more there's a little more room there you know yeah. Um, and you're kind of still answering your own question. But yeah, maybe maybe sometimes I, sometimes I do it just purely by mistake and I kind of get myself in a little bit of a huff and kind of have to swim upstream to get myself out of the question. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I've gotten better at that. But like I did it on press day. I asked, so my first question to Eli was, tell me how the Eli Tomac who stands before me is different to the Eli Tomac from 12 months ago. He gave a very Eli answer. Yeah. And I then rebuttaled his answer with more content, perhaps? Which essentially was me answering the question. Yep. But I kind of did it to double down and like, no, and your, more fir- info your first answer yeah. wasn't what I wanted. And then his answer was much better. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think the, the gist of that vital thread um, is that they just want the media to, if you have a topic, be concise. Like, if you want to know about their bike, ask about their bike. Just be like, what do you like about your bike instead of saying like, so we know you're on the 48 millimeter forks and all this stuff like that. Or in the chase, Eli, sorry, the chase and web situation from San Diego, you just go to web or you go to chase and you say, what's your take on the situation? Don't inject. Obviously you were frustrated, you know, Cooper, but how did it feel when chase did that? And then he's like, well, yeah, I was frustrated. So you kind of, like you're saying, you just give them the answer before they even yeah. get a chance to answer the question. 
and like that vital thread said, like leave it open ended. Let them decide the path they want to choose. Yeah, but yeah, essentially, give them you either give them the answer and give them nowhere to go, or you give them a possible answer. That's better because you give them a possible answer, and it's like this is kind of how I'm thinking. Yeah, and then they're like, eh, I agree, I disagree. Right? Because like, I, well, sorry to cut you off, but I feel like sometimes we almost have to like let them know that we are aware you know like if you just ask them a hard question they're sometimes they'll answer with like a very basic answer to be like well i don't even know if you're aware of that situation so let me dumb it down for you like sometimes yeah in the more technical stuff you have to be like so i know that the team decided to go this route or whatever can you explain further yeah but like we're just like letting them know that you know we want more information than the basic level yeah that goes back to um that essentially goes back to what I was saying, but almost in reverse. Sometimes our questions scream, we don't have faith in the rider we're interviewing. Right. But also yep. sometimes our scree- our questions scream, I know you don't have faith in me to <laughs> that I know what yeah. I know. So let me tell you what I know so that I can elevate the quality of this interview. Yeah. But ultimately, giving answering the question is wrong. And like I say, that follow- but that follow-up question to Eli and Preste, which was uh, just three words, that was uh, I, I I like the shortness of it. Yeah. My biggest gripe is long questions, and the way you get yeah. to long questions is you ask a question and then answer it in depth yourself. Exactly, which I really don't think I've ever done. Yeah, but I know some people do. Um, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I, I think that um, we as the media need to be a better job of just being concise. Like you, you want them to talk about a topic. So just give them that topic and say like your thoughts or you know something like that. And if they don't give you the answer like you said, then kind of double down, but don't ask the same question. Just like go to a different part of that question to get a little bit more information out of that. Because like I said, I feel like sometimes you ask a rider something and they almost look at you as like, how do you not know that answer or something? Like yeah. That. But you're like, no, I'm not. I'm not asking like the basic level question. I'm asking you to dig deeper into that topic. I'm, I'm like blanking on like a an idea yeah. that, that but you know what i'm talking about like you've had that happen before where a writer will be like uh yeah so like uh you know to get our whole shot devices down we push on the front end and it clicks in like yeah like no 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 i'm asking like technique wise like you do this thing where you stop and with your boot or, you know whatever yeah. like something like that <laughs> yeah no uh, yeah i think i summed it up best when i said um sometimes we don't have faith in the riders we're interviewing and sometimes we know they don't have faith in us because ultimately this is a much overarching issue and that is that, as media, we don't have much uh, stock in this, uh, or weight. Our title as media doesn't carry much weight in this industry. It really no. doesn't. No. Um, and we are looked at, we as a general term, I believe are looked at for the most part as a bunch of people who don't really know what we're talking about. Yeah, but I think part of that problem is because we wear so many hats. Like We don't get to just be journalists. We have to also do podcasts or this or yeah, you know like we don't so media is very jokey yeah and, and but yeah like we just have so much stuff that we do that isn't just research and getting you know but like deep behind a story or something like that it's very like kind of the basic surface level stuff i feel like in a lot of regards yeah my final point as we hit the time limit is i've contemplated this a lot recently and i've considered making a conscious effort to go really deep on the serious side and try to cut out any sort of humor or 
banterous conversation from my program completely, yeah. which would be hard because sometimes you just kind of end up in that uh, position. And but I just don't know. I've considered it. I've contemplated it, and I just don't know if it's counterproductive or what. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's a fair criticism of the media, and this is, I guess, our ex- explanation of why sometimes it is that way. Um, but we'll move on to. Our second topic here today, and if, if you heard that noise in the background and you're new to the show, uh, we try to cut this at a hard seven minutes. We always go a little bit long, but we try to keep the topics a little bit concise because otherwise we would talk about this stuff all day long, but we don't want this to be a five-hour podcast. We do that, you know, Steve does that every Monday night. So um, yeah, moving on to our second topic, and it has been like how, if you could draw up how bad a season goes without getting injured... I think that you would find Malcolm Stewart in the dictionary because he's been down in the first corner of three straight main events and he's crashed a little bit more than that on a couple of occasions. It's not going well and it's it's not fun to watch because I think we all, the media and fans like Malcolm and we want him to be competitive, but man, he just needs to have like one break. Like one break would do it. I believe the direction I would take this debate is the narrative has always been Malcolm is on the verge of his first win. Okay. It's coming. It's got to happen this year, almost like it's a foregone conclusion. I say no, it's not a foregone conclusion. I believe he's led 13 laps in 91 450 starts. Um, He's had four podiums, the same number as AC in less time, and also, well, now one less than our own passenger. Um, and those numbers don't indicate a rider who is on the verge of achieving this amazing feat. With AP, there was a consistent upward, upward uh, trajectory. Wow. Upward trajectory um, that led to his win. And I, I think that we are very far from that with Malcolm. And I, I believe that maybe it's for Stuart name. I believe that there's a level of hype where I'm back to the show me stage. I have no hard uh, opinion or I'm not confident that Malcolm Stewart is going to land on the podium at some point this year. Because really? I'm back to show me. He's not been in the top 10 since the final round of 2022. Yeah, but he only raced two rounds of 2023 and yeah, then got hurt. But that's so... now five successive rounds without a top 10 finish. Sure, I'll give it to you because of the numbers of races, I guess, but he's not a mud rider. Like we've kind of seen that out of Malcolm over the years, like his first race back from injury in 22 was Unadilla. And it was a mudder and it wasn't good. And, you know, just like, I, I don't feel like he does very well in those type of conditions. So Anaheim one to me was like, yeah, didn't, didn't really look the part as you're saying, didn't look, what we had seen in the past. And I think what, what kind of skews it, unfortunately for us is everybody who would tell the media, anything in the off season said, Malcolm Stewart's flying at the test track. He's back from injury. Everything's great. So you go into a one with the assumption that like, he's just back at his old level, but I I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that the injury and being out as long as he was, is what's hampering him. And I think once we get more into the season, we'll find old Malcolm again. If I go deeper on this, it's not actually the main event results. It's the fact that um, across these first couple of rounds, he's not been higher than ninth in time to practice. And again, the narrative with Malcolm is, oh, if there's a man for one lap speed 
we've not even seen that. So actually, um, daytime, evening, practice, race, we're a couple of rounds into this series, and there is not a single positive to cling to. That's fine, because there's last year. Oh, wait. No, there isn't. Last year was even worse. So now we're going back to 2022, which is two years ago. A lot can happen in that time. Consider the fact that Malcolm turned pro the same year as Eli Tomac. Is anyone talking about how Eli Tomac is building and climbing and on the verge of reaching a new level? No, we're all talking about how he's on his way out. So why with Malcolm are we as an industry all sat here going, it's coming, he's on his way up, he's building, like, it doesn't fit. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I think that the career um, outline is different, though, for Malcolm and and Tomac by quite a bit because Tomac won immediately. Malcolm, like, was on Suzuki City, like, just trying to get in the top tens and stuff like that. So, like, I'm talking solely age. I know you're talking age, but I'm talking... You know, if you go by the theory that McGrath has, which is like you have your 10 years of everything going right and then you're done, like Tomac broke that narrative a little bit. But I feel like Malcolm really came into his own and his little like a zenith of himself in like 2015, 2016. So then if you go 10 years beyond that, like he's still got two more good years, I feel like in him in that regard. So I, I, I still think it's in there. Like I still think we need dry races and we need, I think we need races where the whoops don't break down gnarly because I think he's really good in flat whoops, but I, I think it's still there. What? What is that? What is there? Well, if you go back to A1 last year and you say like it wasn't there in 2023, he led like a lot of the main event at Four A1. Laps. No, well, nine laps. Yeah. Four laps or nine laps. But, He's led nine laps one time and four time, four laps the other. I can't remember what race was what. But I feel like sitting in the press box at A1, there was a collective like, oh my gosh, Malcolm might win this race. And that was a year ago, and I know he had a bad injury, but I, I still think that like that same form can be found the same way we think of Eli coming back from his bad injury, just, you know, like same time frame. It's still there. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll rebuttal that. Uh and just to clarify, this is a debate show, so I'm going to come across like a hardcore Malcolm hater. Okay. Um, you're rambling on about Anaheim 1 2020 last year. Yeah. Whatever that was. 23. Um, and yeah, that was great. That was the only time we have seen that in 450s in what would have been, well, even now, 91 starts. That's not the only time Malcolm's been like battling out front for a win well he's only led 13 laps in his career what was the other one anaheim won 2019 is that the one you're pulling from or no because he ran second forever to dino and then yeah, crashed trying to go no to it was lead. it was sometime it was one of the latter rounds of 2022 and then uh yeah like in 2022 there was like you won a heat race in detroit and finished second i think like there there's lots been of, lots of riders have won heat races i'm just saying the it's never gone the whole way as you're saying of like gets out front and can battle for a win very often. But the speed has suggested that if he does get a start similar to AP, the potential's still there. AP uh, led a lot of laps in Atlanta in 21? 21, yeah. yeah on the Yamaha. Uh, Detroit last year. There were clearly building blocks that we could point to as evidence that AP has gained the experience necessary to seal the deal and win a main event. Malcolm hasn't really started that process. I, I, but I disagree because he gets third in points in 2022 and then almost wins the opener, was like battling for the lead at the opening round of the series. 
um, to then getting hurt, you know, a week and a half later and his whole season is gone. Like we don't have enough data, I think, to say, yes, it hasn't gone good at the start because he's crashed in the first corner of three main events. Like we need to have like a few dry races before you can get to that conclusion. Okay, end on this. Does Malcolm Stewart win a race this year? I don't think so, but but I'm saying I think he still has the potential speed in him. Does he end his career with a main event win? Well, if you're asking me to, to answer that, I would say no. Okay. Okay. So, yeah. So, I, I win. You win. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Yes. Um, all right. Let's move on to perhaps the hottest topic in our sport right now. And it's not necessarily by choice of, of anybody aside from just it continuing to go. Like, it happened on Saturday. There were some rebuttals on Sunday. And now here we are on Tuesday, and there's still back and forth. And it is Jet Lawrence and Jason Anderson getting into it in San Diego. And Lewis, you and I are going to approach this topic from kind of a different standpoint than obviously everyone else is because you have the you have the incident. They've raced in, in the main event. Jet doesn't like what Jason did. They talk after the race. There's helmet grabbing. Jet kind of gets angry at uh, talking to his mechanic and then goes to Jason's mechanic, Rango, after and starts yelling about it. And then we have the Jet apology on Instagram. And we have what Dazzy apologized. Uh, Lucas apparently apologized or something like that. I missed you're that. Talk- you're talking about behind, behind the closed scene. doors. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Jason on Sunday puts out like all good Jetson or something and like just a montage of him. But then today, Jason hits with a long post on Instagram about how he never got contacted from Jet Lawrence specifically. It was always just the agent or the dad or, or all that people behind the scenes, like you said. And um, w- let's disregard that reaction for a minute. And you and I just talk about social media and using it to have this hash out in public. Like, is this cool? Like, do we want, is this what we want out of writers? I believe that it's, I believe that if you put this information in front of a Formula One journalist, they would laugh at us. I, I agree. I think so. And realistically, there should be words from Jason Anderson and Jet Lawrence on what went down here. Right. I don't necessarily believe that each of us should go and do separate interviews with them. And I can understand why the riders, manufacturers, agents don't want that. But what should happen in my mind is the team PR person or the agent, whoever, someone in each corner should record a voice memo of the rider talking. It can be scripted, who cares? Yeah. And distribute it to the media, and then we spread that message in a professional manner. Correct. That's what should happen. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we are so far away from what should happen in most instance, instances that it's unbelievable. Um, but then I personally, I don't feel so strongly about it. Like, I just kind of look at Jason's post and rub my hands together. I don't necessarily look at it and go, oh, that's a bad look for our sport. It's only when I sit back and put my professional hat on that I realize how amateur hour we must look. Yeah. Well, a a man of exquisite writing background in Adam Wheeler put a tweet out earlier today kind of saying like, you know, like this is all kind of nonsense. Like, is this really what people are interested in more so than the racing aspect of it? And so... That's kind of like where I'm curious is as fans, we obviously love racing, uh, you know, in terms of watching it and, and we all grew up riding motocross or something like that. So we've raced it as well, but not to this level. 
but it seems like the drama of this is attracting a lot more attention than AP getting his first win, Nate Thrasher bouncing back and riding well in the mud. Like any of that, gone. We're just in this drama like spin at this point. Yeah, what what is sad is that, um, and I don't have to look at the Racer X numbers to know this, drama, what each media sharing Jason's Instagram post would get four times as many clicks as uh, a really nice bit of content on the race. Yeah. Okay, probably the same in other sports, I would imagine. But the difference is in other sports, the interest level for the race is already so high that that's just a nice bonus. Whereas in most instances, I feel like interest in journalism on just the race without some sort of hook is almost non-existent. Yeah. Uh, So social media like barely existed when, do you remember Jacksonville 2009? Chad Reed, James Stewart, they get into it on the track. And some people have made a a similarity reference to Jet Lawrence grabbing Jason's helmet and how Chad grabbed uh, James's neck in that instance. And then they argued on the podium and they both happened to be on the podium. So that kind of like played into it a little bit that they both had to be up there. Um, Is that... Do you feel that that's a better look than this, than arguing on social media for days versus just hashing it out face-to-face on the podium like they did? Hard to say because you have the nostalgia element. Yeah. But I would say that the James Chad is a better look. Yeah, because like if you think about, as you said, Formula One, MotoGP, these like higher echelon sports, if drivers get into it, or ride or you know MotoGP riders get into it. There seems to be the spat right there. Maybe they spat in the press conference, but I don't feel like that carries over to social media. A- aside from a- a- an apology, maybe like we've seen some written apologies from Formula One drivers, and then the next week the media will ask them about that, and then we'll get more information or something like that. But I don't feel like I've ever seen it on this level. I would like to now see an open letter from Jet Lawrence. <laughs> Okay. I think that's the so only keep response. it going at this yeah. point. Well, no, but an open letter would be, I think, if I'm in the Jet Lawrence camp and I'm now in salvage mode, I think uh, an open letter would be a good way to show professionalism, almost show that I'm above the stupid social media spat and I'm not going to engage there. Yeah. So let me do it in a very let me show let me show you that I'm ready to lead this sport in the correct manner. I think that would be an effective um, way of doing it. How do you feel that um, TV, because they're obviously going to play into this a little bit, but how do you think TV like actually will approach this or should approach this going into Anaheim? I believe that they should approach it by sitting down with Jet, sitting down with Jason, doing interviews and showcasing it in that way. Or do they need to showcase it Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, is that playing too much into the drama? Like, do they just let it be? Like, show the post and then see what happens? Or do you actually get deeper into the story? This is what you do. Okay. You don't include Jason or Jet. Because we don't care about, oh, he crossed line. He crossed jumped. Oh, he was blocking me. We don't care now. What you do is you get Ricky, James, whoever, top rider, to talk about how how Jet may perceive this situation as a rookie who's not got much experience, how Jason used veteran moves. You get anal- you you bring it back away from the um, clickbaity drama element yeah. to pure 
racing analysis because at the end of the day, it's still a racing incident that can be analysed. Yes. So you yep. try. So it's their responsibility to claw it back and bring it into a bring it into a form that is that is um, something that we could show off and be proud of. I agree. I that's that's a perfect take on that. Is you get their opinion on what happened on the racetrack aside from what's going on with that drama. Because that that story could be told at a later date. Like you know, if they get yeah. into it again, then you go, well, this is the backstory. But what happened on the racetrack, and and that's it, and that's how you kind of move past this. I think. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think of F one. <clears throat> I imagine what they would do is they would have their panel stood on the pit lane straight. They would read out Jason's statement, and then they would do a along the line analysis of what analysis happened. of it, and then move on. Yep. They wouldn't be like, oh, he's not happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so that topic is done. We are now uh, kind of through our selected moto topics, but we have a fan topic that we are about to discuss. Before we do that, I want to remind you guys that this show is, of course, uh, the EVS Sports LVK podcast. And over the past 39 years, EVS Sports has established themselves as the leaders in innovation and technology when it comes to designing protection gear for today's motocross riders. Athletes like RJ Hampshire, Kyle Chisholm, Freddie Norton, Axel Hodges, and Travis Pastrana all wear EVS when they race, ride, or whatever Travis decides to do that day. Check out evs-sports.com to gear up like the pros and use the code LVK30 to save on anything from knee protection to shoulder braces. All right, we are going to move into our race tech Fan question of the week. Shout out to Racetech. Building a reliable world-class engine requires a combination of state-of-the-art equipment and experience. Knowledgeable technicians. Racetech provides quality precision engine services using the best equipment and processes in the industry. Our fan question of the week comes from an inside source of the media. Probably not stoked on being called a fan. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's what the, that's what it is. So we're just we're lumping him in, but... Um, Michael Lindsay hit us with a question that <clears throat> kind of pertains to this Jet Anderson situation a little bit, and uh, it's should top riders have publicists and not just agents? And, and just real briefly, publicists are more like kind of like a PR person for the guy instead of like agents. They're obviously doing behind the scenes work and dealing and wheeling and all that stuff. But a publicist is more of like an an image person like an image controller yeah. for the rider to make sure that like hey we're keeping it tight what say you lewis phillips i know that anyone rider team wise listening to this which is probably no one but if they did their immediate reaction would be there's not enough happening to justify that position but that's where if you are a forward thinker you say we put someone in that position and then they create uh they create um, goings on that justify their position. Yeah, because that's what it needs. It needs someone to look at the situation. Who's someone who's got a different head on their shoulders to look at the situation and understand how? Oh, I can use the media. So let me link the media with, like, you know, like yeah. how how often besides the standard press releases that go out, how often do we really get communicated with? On an official like, level, like from the teams, you mean, yeah. or, or or on on behalf of the writer, yeah, not not very much. We get we can text on a friendly way, yes, but yeah. we don't get. When was the last time we saw a team PR person in the press box who was there to deliver news that furthered the rider team media? Yeah, not. I mean, we see Ulrich a lot, but he doesn't necessarily go in and like feed us topics. What I'm think, what I'm saying is, what I would like is, um, to use an example, San Francisco. 
Gasgas's PR woman to come to the press box and say, hey guys, Justin's sick today. Uh, this is why. Just wanted to let you know. He won't be doing interviews today for this reason, so please don't try. Yeah. But to help you in your storytelling, this is what he's dealing with. Yeah, but that's that that's more on a team PR level. We're trying But to... if you had a publicist, would the publicist not do that? Uh yeah, but be, on behalf of the writer. Like I think that's what Michael's question is, because Jeremy McGrath had a publicist. So McGrath himself used to have someone that would kind of like make sure things are taken care of in terms of setting up interviews and also helping Jeremy kind of shape his own image, like going on Jay Leno and things like yeah. that are set up through the the publicist, like, you know, going and finding those opportunities. And like if you want to talk about like us having a a media publicist, like that's kind of like what Sean Brennan does is he like feeds us information. He feeds us information about what we need to know. Yeah, about and then the he, series. And then he helps us organize if we need something done. And that's what, you know, Michael's asking, should a writer have this liaison specifically for themselves, not a team representative, just for them to manage if, a you know, this fiasco or whatever happens, they're on top of it. Yeah, I believe that uh, Jet, Chase, Eli, Coop, Kenny, like riders of that level, one hundred percent. Yeah, but again, the because it's never been done, it sounds ludicrous. But I think that as soon as someone does it, which I don't think they ever will, but when or if someone were to do it, the position would then become very popular, and everyone would realise the need for it. And then fast forward two years down the line, and it's the most normal happening possible. Do you think that most riders? believe their agents do a good enough job of that for them like do you think from a writer standpoint they're like i'm taken care of in terms of my image already like we're good. i don't i do not think that any of the writers care they don't care so they don't, it's not an image thing about it it's just but but because i feel like writers are going more and more out of their way to find like social media specialists to help them either post content that you know they don't ever have any have to do it but you know, like, but they- I, I've done that. I've done that for riders, and most of the time, the the reason that sparked the conversation wasn't I want to take my profile to another level. It was I can't be bothered to do this. Can you do it for me? Yeah, and I know I need to do it. So can you just do it? Just to briefly dip back to the Jet Anderson thing and how you were talking about having someone that just gets it, you know, sound bites out there yeah. or whatever on a professional level. If they both had publicists, do you think that's how this is handled? Yeah, yeah, for sure, right? Like this is this is what I believe. Like, okay, so no one can get an Eli interview midweek, realistically. <laughs> Usually not. No. Uh, apart from maybe a very rare uh, occasion, what should happen is we should be able to communicate someone, a publicist, and say we want Eli's time. They, being intelligent, should reply with, "What do you need it for?" If we say, "Uh, for a chit chat and a catch up," yeah, that, they nope. say that's not of interest for us. If yeah. we say. I'm writing a story about this particular topic and I want to ask these two questions. They say, I will get Eli to send a voice memo and I will forward it on to you. We then have better content. Eli doesn't have to talk to us whack jobs. (laughs) The whole sport is uplifted. Yeah. But that doesn't need a publicist because the team PR person could do that. That's not a hard job. That takes two minutes. They could, but again, just trying to, I guess, like think of it from... um, how much money is available or whatever. Like there, there are athletes in this sport that are making a lot more money than guys. They're not beating by a lot, you know, like there's a yeah. guy, like, I'm not trying to just pick out names, but if you say like the seventh place guy is not making near as much money as the guy that's in second or first Yeah, in terms of how much they're as is the case in like formula one. Right. 
so I'm saying like those top guys have the ability to to have someone help control their image in that regard. And and it has nothing to do with teams and their budgets or anything like that. It's just literally in their pocketbooks they could they could do it themselves, is what I'm saying. Yeah. So that's like just to say doesn't have to put the onus on the team, put it on the rider who wants their image to be, you know, as positive as it can be. But it should be a joint effort between a team and rider. If I was a team PR person, I would be thinking like this because I would be like, I can make it I can make a difference in my job. Yeah. How can I be the best? Yeah. Let me really like, you know, elevate this. Um of course a team PR person's job is wide ranging. Mm-hmm. But they've got time. <laughs> like they have got time to do that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 you're right. I think again, if you look to the other motorsports, like this is the thing that they just—it's all kind of figured out. And um, our our sport is not probably big enough to have it be as seamless as that. But I, I think if you have one or two guys do it, a lot of them would. If you have Kenny and Jet or whatever, get an actual publicist, a lot of them would be like, "Oh, that's how it works." Maybe this would. Maybe this makes me look bad. But I think this is a perfect example. In December, I wrote a really nice story that I was proud of um, about uh, the average age of top riders rising. Just, you know, some thoughts, some facts, some, you know, just it was a nice story. I was proud of it. And what I really needed to tie tie it together was a quote from Eli and a quote from Anderson. I didn't even attempt to contact the riders or the teams because I was like, there's just no way. Yeah. That's that's bad. I'm saying that I realize that makes me look bad, but also that's a sad reflection on yeah. the industry. Yeah. No. I mean, there are, there definitely are what we would consider like just non-starters. Like you can't even chase a story sometimes because you just know you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. And of course, in so. GPs, I could have got any quote, but that's because I had a friendly yeah. um, relationship with all of the riders. But it shouldn't come down to that. Yeah. That should that should not even enter the. Um, the conversation that should that should not impact the work that the media can do other than maybe um my interview with someone i'm friendlier with will maybe be a little more better just because i've got that rapport yeah um we uh, i'm going to insert a small topic here because we've been very like media heavy through these three topics that we've discussed aside from malcolm stewart um from the writing alone what has been like your biggest like surprise in terms of you did not expect the riding to go this well through three rounds in the 450 class. You're talking a rider. Yeah, but I'm saying like in how they've ridden well, coming into the season. I know AP is like... Yeah, it would be AP. But no one else that jumps off the page. It would be AP and not because of San Diego, because of A1. Yeah. Uh, besides that, based on all of the feedback about how bad December was, maybe Chase being this good this early because... Yeah. He wasn't exactly hiding the fact that his expectations were lower or had to be lowered. Yeah. Um, trying to, trying to. Are we surprised at all that Kenny has been like arguably the fastest guy every single? Week? No, because he was so good. Abu Dhabi, Australia, Paris. Yeah, that's true. I, I know he got really good by I... the end of the year, but I just like when you throw all these other guys into the mix, like it's pretty cool to see that. I said this a lot on a uh, Vital MX throughout the off season. I, I followed Kenny through Abu Dhabi yeah. uh, nations, Paris. I was so excited about him coming into this season because a watching him in person. I was like, this is good. Mm-hmm. And being able to talk to him in a more relaxed setting. 
I was like, okay, he's really in a good place. Yeah. So that I was I was maybe the most excited about Kenny coming into A1 than any other rider. And that's not putting a result on it. That's not me saying he was my pick. But just as a what's possible, what could happen here, yeah, that yeah. topic was most exciting uh, surrounding Kenny. Do you think his mistake this weekend was uh, because he's, he was trying too hard or it was just was inevitable? I just – it was – down to the track the yep. conditions easy well, I, for it to bite i'm just asking because bad result not bad but not good result at the opener gets third the next week and in his own mind might be like i should maybe be leading the championship i have to win this one and maybe over road did i see an interview with roxon with me i want to say it was done by Weege, where he said where roxon said that he doesn't even know if he can consider himself a championship contender that does kind of ring a bell. Do- I don't remember who. No, but I feel like it did get said. Yeah. I wonder if the riding was so good through the first two rounds that he then started to Bought be like, in. okay, I, I, I need to be yeah. a championship contender. Yeah. What? I'm, I'm asking that on press day. No okay. one else is allowed to take okay. it. That's fine. Uh, another quick topic on Kenny specifically, uh, because we're a little bit early on our non-moto topic, so I don't want to get there just yet. Are you okay with Roxon latching on to Jet for the last 10 minutes of the main event and passing guys via the blue flag? Like, they they probably just assumed he's in a battle with Jet and a lot of guys let him go. Like, is that, are you cool with that? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. I, I think pass, he would pass him anyway. I think it's, it's like kind of like, a, it's obviously a smart move by Roxon, but I think that this just goes back to like, in helmet communication or whatever to even let these guys know that like, Hey, jets for position. Kenny's not or something like that. Like that's the only way that this solves it. I'm against in helmet communication. Oh, okay. You want to keep it as real as possible on the track. It's just dumb. Well, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. The lappers out of the way. It's not going to work. Oh, Hey, uh, Kenny, you're about to be lapped, but, but not by the guy on your right, by the guy on your left. I mean, you don't you don't need that much communication. No, but like, do you get what I mean? That's what that's the level it would need because it's never as simple as there is a rider behind you, let him go. It's like, ah, yeah, but you just be you just be quick. Um, it's a stupid uh, topic. Kenny, leader coming point five. It's a stupid topic. Okay, whatever. We'll move on from that and we'll jump into our non-moto topics. We got two of them uh, to discuss today, and uh, the first one. Lewis was a little bit of like this long back and forth that eventually we just decided to part ways and do this separately. You and I were both on the Pulp MX show this week. We both live very close to each other. 13 minutes apart. Yep. So it would have been very easy for us to drive to Steve's together and then drive back from Steve's together and save money on fuel. And instead, our carbon footprint is terrible because we just drove separately. Um, and really what this was a crescendo of is you did not want to stay the night at Steve's. You wanted to get home that night even though it's a four-hour drive, and I was okay with sleeping at Steve's. And that's what happened. So you're good with all this? You're good that we just drove separate? Well, I would have loved to spend more time with you, Kellen, because I haven't spent an enough I haven't spent enough time with you recently. Um, no, I, I don't know if this is me being weird, but I feel like I was in the right. Okay. I I stated what I wanted to do. I gave you multiple offers of ways to make you comfortable with what I wanted to do. And it was like talking to a brick wall. Okay, but I also stated what I wanted to do. But and... you didn't You didn't make allowances for me. How... There was no meeting halfway, whereas I was like, hey, Kellen. What do you mean not, no meeting halfway? I said I would drive you, and you would have to pay $0 in fuel for the 
the really just tough thing of, of sleeping at Steve's house and waking up the next morning and getting home at 10 a.m. I just, I don't have the patience. I, I, like, let's just get it done. Like, I've got, I'm, I'm a busy guy. Okay. Let's just get it done. Like, no traffic. Let's just, we've got, we've got things to do. Um, at the end of the day, I did not hit any traffic for what it's worth. Zero. It, it is possible to drive back after the show. So you are, I felt as though staying needlessly was kind of putting Steve and Pookie out as well. <laughs> they don't care. Yeah, but I'm an, I, maybe I overthink okay. things, but I was like, yeah, that's just, it's just, you're putting someone out for no Do you no understand reason. my reasons for not wanting no. to drive home that night? Okay, so you wanted to drive home, and then I would sit passenger seat, and you're like, fall asleep, whatever. Yeah, I don't or care. sit in, lay in the back. Yeah. Bring a hey, pillow. I've done that a lot of times in my life, and I've never been a good car sleeper. So I would not sleep at all, if if any, very poorly. Well, you could have gone then in a trunk. And we would get home at 2 or 3 in the morning, and then I would jump in bed, go to sleep, and then my daughter, you don't have a child, my daughter gets up at 7, and she is very keen to let her parents know she's awake. So I would definitely be woken up at seven and I would have a horrible night's sleep after driving home and I would not get any work done the next day. So that was my logic. I went to sleep at two, woke up at 7.30. Can we... And I feel fine. Can we talk about three hours? Look. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. It is a 270 mile drive. I don't know what that is in kilometers. You'll have to forgive me for being a dumb American. I use miles. Okay, so you use miles. Yeah, England Mile, uses miles. miles per hour, right, when yeah, you drive. Yeah. Okay, so 270 miles to drive, and you did this in three hours, which means... Maybe it was a little more. Which means you have averaged 90 miles an hour or more while it's raining. There's no... Um, <laughs> there's no... I, I didn't get an exact time. I didn't get an exact speed, so I can't comment. But you commented... No comment. But you did publicly comment... Ah, it was great. Tweet. It was great. I got home at 1.45 a.m. It was a typo. <laughs> it was a typo. Um, okay. But again, regardless of all that, uh, I thought we were good planners, Lewis. What happened to it? Well, we were good planners. We were thorough about our... <laughs> we were thorough about it. Thorough? Is that how you say it? Thorough. 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 It sounds like you're saying it with an F. So oh, don't, don't, we don't need to get into that. Um uh yeah, I don't know. I, I I just I I saw staying there as like you're just delaying the inevitable and like yeah, there's stuff to do, so let's just crack How, on. Do you feel that you got everything done you needed to when you got home today? Uh, I well, I spent a lot of time on the phone this morning, but I got um I got mm. I got a story published. Could have been on the phone in the car. Well, yeah, that wasn't planned. That was by <laughs> accident. But um, uh, a popular guy, Callan. Popular guy. Um, yeah, no, but yeah, I got a story published. I'm here, and you, uh, you don't think you could have published that story from the passenger seat of a vehicle? No, because it's a very intricate story that yeah. we took a high level of um, proofreading, and because you know, had had we driven together, we could have recorded a podcast while you know in the vehicle. Well, no, we couldn't have four hour podcast. Why not? Because... Put a microphone down and talk. <sighs> No, that's terrible. Um, <laughs> by the way, speaking of stories, uh, please head to Vital MX and read um, the Supercross statistics story. I do it every week. Um, it's a lot of effort. So if someone would read it out there, it would kind of make me feel better about it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but so you have no qualms at all with the fact that we 
I'm happy that you got what I'm happy that you were comfortable with what you did. Yep. And you were good. And I'm happy that you you're comfortable with what you did, but I feel like people will be very annoyed to find out that we drove 30 minutes apart from each other up there. <laughs> that you left right after the show and I went to bed. I arrived at the show 15 minutes after you. Yeah, ish. We must have been like neck and neck the whole way. When you texted him and said your ETA, had you were you stopped or were you driving? Yeah, I was. Uh, I was getting lunch. So you. So passed I probably me. passed you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where'd you get lunch in uh, the um... Chipotle? Okay, that but it's that one like in the middle, halfway yeah. there. There's like the shopping center or whatever. Yeah, and then yeah. the Chipotle. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, no, I I just think that uh, for me. I'm glad that I drove home safely, not ha- in the rain. Yep, this and morning. so did I. It wasn't. You need to calm down. On it this. was raining when yeah, you left. It was like a gentle shower. You people <laughs> in California need to calm down. It's fine. So do you drive whatever uh, you know ninety on the country roads in England when it's gently showering? What like um, who's the creature that if it gets well wet, it's like I'm melting. I feel, like that's, I feel like that has happened in the past. But no, yeah, it's it, a little bit of rain never hurt anyone. If anything, it's nice because everyone moved out of the fast lane because they were scared. <laughs> they were scared, so you're just cruising. No, yeah, that. but they were overreacting. It was a little bit of rain. There was no there was no standing water. There was no... No aquaplaning? Nope. Uh, no, at all. Nope. Not even leaving yesterday? I did a couple times. Nope. Really? I'm good. Okay. I'm a mud specialist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the roads are very muddy here. I'm California. a wet weather specialist. Wet weather specialist. I mean, it's true. You did come from Honestly, the UK, we, so. you you need to get you as a nation need to get better at driving in the rain. Well, California sucks. Like I guess yeah, it's, it's California. A bunch of okay, you as a state need to get better at yeah. driving in the rain. Um like it starts spitting and we are swerving, slamming on the brakes, pulling over in the hard shoulder cuz we're scared. It's it's a lot. It's honestly a lot. It is a lot. You pass a lot of, of wrecks when it rains here in California, which is, uh, yeah, people suck. At it's honestly insane. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Last topic that we are going to hit on today, and I have to open my text messages because this one was texted to me, and <laughs> I'm curious to know if you know this person, Lewis, because um, they seem to know you, and this is why they brought this topic to you the never, table. You never told me that this was... Mm, they they brought this topic because of you. Who is it? I'm not going to tell you who this is, but we're going to get into well, it no, right now. Because I might get myself in trouble. No, no, it's not like oh. that. No. Um. So the topic that is the overarching theme here really is uh, listening to someone give you expert advice when they are maybe an expert on something and then not listening to that advice and doing something completely different. Well, now I've got my backup because is this someone saying that they gave me advice and I didn't listen? It is. Well, who is it? Okay, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Text me. No, I, I'm going to I'm going to tell you what he texted me. Can I read this? Is out? this going to make me look bad? It might. No. <laughs> what car did you buy, by the way? Is it someone? It's about a car. It's about a car. Who gave me advice on it? Is it Steve? I'm not. I I don't know how this person got in touch with you or whatever, and I'm actually surprised that they they said they did. But this is what this person said to me, and then I wish to have your rebuttal. Okay? No, I don't think I don't think I want to know this because it's going to make me feel bad. You don't want to know this. No, because I'm trying to be a nicer person, and it's, this is just going to make me seem like a dick. <laughs> well, actually, to be fair, I don't actually totally agree with like his opinion on okay, this. Okay, just read it, Kellen. Okay, okay I want to go says, home. Just read it. Get it over and done with. <laughs> a while back, I spent my evening looking up cars for Lewis and gave him very sound advice about buying a car. 
hours of searching, and in the end, he took none of it and bought something that was as far from good advice as he could get. And the topic would be asking experts for advice and then not listening. To Who texted you that? <laughs> I'll tell you after. A while ago. Uh, no, today. They texted me today. But here's why I maybe don't agree uh, with his stance on this. I know from talking to you when you were trying to look for a car, you asked a lot of people about... I got way too it, much advice. Yeah, I you, definitely took someone's so, advice. <laughs> um, but I don't know if this person is an expert or not, but do you feel uh, that you that you ended up getting sage enough advice Is this a person car? a Moto Media member? Um, kind of. Okay, I, I think I Outside-ish, a little bit. I, I know who it is. Okay. Um, no... But no, like, I'm the victim again. <laughs> well, the, my question to you is when you bought a car, do you feel that you... I haven't you, you bought gathered... a car for life. I've bought a car listen, for like... Listen, can I answer the question? Or ask the question. No, Kelly, because you're just attacking me. I'm not attacking you. I agree with your stance on this a little bit because I'm asking with all of the information that you gathered about buying a car that you felt that you made an educated decision yourself. Basically... I had to buy. I, I want a truck. I was my plan was to get a truck immediately. I don't have a credit score in America, so I had to buy a vehicle outright. So I bought a car which had no accidents, um, warranty, and uh, all of that stuff that basically I can keep for a year and it will make it easier to sell. Did you lease or buy? No, I had to buy outright. Oh, you bought outright, okay. Kellen, my life's been hard work. I, I'm I'm just asking questions. Honestly, Kellen, I'm on the verge of a breakdown. Settle. Settle the down. Last, the I'm last trying to agree with you. I'm tough. Tough. <laughs> trying to agree with you about this. I, I had to rent an apartment without a credit score. They wanted a six grand deposit. I, I'm aware of all the hardships you've gone through, which is why I wanted to... No help. I tried to help I'm you. I'm like Oliver Twist. And clearly this guy tried to help you as well. Um, I, 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 the car situation was really bad because I found a BMW that I wanted. And it, the, the documents said... Um, Don't buy a BMW. No accidents. So I was like, brilliant. And then I put on my shoes to go and buy it. And before I went, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pay for my own report. It had been, and I shit you not, it had been, it was a 2017, it had been in 42 accidents. <laughs> it, was in, it was in an accident in Arizona. Two weeks later, it was in an accident in Utah. And what were the reports like? All fender benders? Like, there's I no, can't remember exactly. But you can't get into 42 accidents and not have one bend the frame or something. It's, it was it I was basically know. a disaster. So I had probably five false starts like that where I was like, I found a car, brilliant. <clears throat> it says no accidents. Pay for a separate report. It's been in serious accident. Yeah. Because in England we can't sell a car that's been um, written off. Mm -hmm. If a car's written off, it's written off. It's called totaled here. Okay. But yeah. Whereas you can sell them crazy bunch yep. it's a dangerous game out there yeah um so i in the end i got advice from someone else who's a car expert and they told me to buy something with warranty um from a dealership so then it's more legit the record and then it would make it easier to sell and i googled what is the most like the top top reliable cars the top uh hold value cars because i don't plan on keeping it long term and so in your own opinion, you feel you made an informed Honestly, decision. Honestly, I wasn't happy with my decision, but I, I, it was such a stress. I was losing so much. I was spending 400 bucks a week on a rental car. Yeah. So every week that I failed to buy a car, I was costing myself too much money. So in the end, I had to just pull the pin. Like, yeah. I, in an ideal world, I would have kept searching, but I was killing myself. No, Not no. only was I killing myself financially, I was killing myself stress-wise because I was looking at cars 24-7 
desperately trying to find a car that hadn't been totaled at some point. Okay. So getting back onto this topic um, about expert advice or whatever, do you are are you a type of person that you want to go like to someone that you feel has a lot of knowledge in the field, or do you want to go to someone that you trust? Uh, I okay. Well, I there's only one instance where I get advice from someone currently on a consistent basis, so I'll pull on that. Okay. Um, I care. You may not believe this, but I care about my job like really a lot. I think a lot of people believe that. Um, I overanalyze every step I take, every move I make. To quote <laughs> a song, yeah, chill uh, out. <laughs> I, I can't believe you know that song. That's great. Lighthouse but... Family. Um, wow. Yep. Uh, uh, that was good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I overanalyze it to fuck. Like someone said, someone came up to me at the Super at San Diego and went, "I just wanted to say your press day interviews were some of the best Supercross interviews I've ever seen." My reply was, "It can be better." Yeah. I just I can't. Yeah, you do overanalyze. I really want to be great. I really not even great. I just want to do a job that I'm proud of, and I don't think I've ever done that apart from the Hurlings interview last year. That's the one time that I I drove away from his house and I was like, I fucking did it. That was the only time, honestly, in my career that I've been like. Well done, Lewis. Really? Yeah. Only Honestly, time? Only time. And it was the best feeling. And now I'm searching for that feeling every week. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it because I'm not sure another rider will give me what he gave me. I'm surprised at that because I feel like you had um, some GPs where you got a lot of really good post-race podcasts. Yeah, but it became you... it became so normal that I was like... <sighs> I don't know, I guess. I felt, like, I felt like I was a victim of the success fair where... My GP post race podcast were expected to be riders slagging off teams, rude joke. Like it was kind of like if it was a normal interview, everyone was like, "What? Well, oh, what's oh, happened?" Oh. Yeah, <laughs> um, and obviously this is I want to prove myself here. That's almost irrelevant. Yeah, and I know. So anyway, um, but not only do I want to be the best interviewer, I want to be the best writer I can be. I want to be articulate. I want to be thought provoking. Um, when I interview a rider. The success meter for me is I want to ask a question and I want them to stop and think. Mm-hmm. Because then that that means that I've put something to them that even they have had to go, oh, that's that. Them stopping to think about it is almost like them saying, that's a good question, silently. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I shoot for, interview-wise. Um, but um, obviously I got to know Adam Wheeler in GPs um, and like look up to his work, look up to his reputation in the industry because... There's no one who questions his media work or his credibility or his uh, position in the industry, even Moto or MotoGP. Um, So I go to him for advice, I would say, weekly. Too much. I bother him a lot. I bothered (laughs) him this morning. I sent him my press day interviews from San Diego this morning and said, I had good feedback on this. I believe they can be better. I really want to know what you think. Um, So I do go for advice, but I'm I'm a bit of a dick. I only take advice. There's a very few people who I would accept advice from. Hmm. I have to. I if I'm accepting someone's advice, I need to be 100% certain that I'm have. I'm basically putting all of my trust in you. Yeah. So you lean more on trust instead of maybe like out here. I feel like it's common that you you really go like if you need legal advice, you go to a lawyer and all that stuff. Well, no, like in that, that case, yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna I, I'm not gonna go to for legal. I'm not gonna go to the McDonald's worker for legal advice because he gave me an extra chicken nugget once, so I trust him. I'm just saying, like in generally speaking, you will ask kind of like not your friends necessarily, but people that you consider close to you to to give you like, for example, I think you asked for a chiropractor. Yes, and you asked like well, who else and, would I ask? Well, I mean, you would maybe like go to Google and look at reviews. No, because I, I don't trust. I don't Google. know, but I'm saying like maybe, maybe 
uh, maybe go to Doc G or someone and say like, hey, do you have a chiropractor you use? I don't know, like things like that. Like that's an expert opinion because he has a knowledge base in that versus just asking us who are morons about chiropractic. Yeah, okay, I don't know him though. So. But you know what I mean? Like um, you would you would ask your friends over like an expert. But in, and also I don't look at that as like high risk advice. So that's like in my mind that was like asking you um and buying a car high risk advice. Yes. Yeah. But but in my mind asking you for a chiropractor was like asking you where to go for dinner. <laughs> like, you know? As you're in pain, keeling over and saying, please help me. It's fine. Where it's something to do with my career, I'm only taking advice from someone who I A, trust, and also B, the other one, expert. Uh, expert. Yeah. So I need to know that they are the full package because, uh, because I, don't get me wrong, I know that I'm not the worst media member. (laughs) Some people would disagree. So, like, I'm not going to take advice from any media member. Like I would take advice from Weege as well. Yeah. If Weege told me, if if Weege or Steve gave like pulled me aside and told me how I could be better at something, I would put full stock in it and I would not question it. Yeah. Um. And if I pulled you aside, you'd be like, "Bugger off." Oh, I'd, just, I'd be like, "Kellen, honestly, <laughs> I need a break." <laughs> but I no. I, what why I said I agree with your side of this as opposed to that is, yeah, I tend to lean more on people that I consider close to me for advice. Regardless of the situation, like, yeah, maybe like buying a house, not, but yeah, most of the time I'm like, do you guys know somebody? Because I'm trying to figure this out. To go back to the car advice, when I requested advice from this person, I was looking for the best car for me long term. What happened was it became so drastic that in the end, I wasn't looking, I didn't care what car it was. I was looking for the best short term investment that I could flip in a year's time. And, And you feel... That you did your job. Well, I've got what I've got warranty, which will make it easier to sell. I've got low mileage, which will make it easier to sell. I've got dealership records, which will make it easier to sell. So, in my mind, that will help. All right, yeah, fair enough, fair fair point. Um, we went a little long on that topic. I didn't set a Where timer because oh. I needed to read the text, so I didn't get a chance to set the timer. But that's okay. We went a little t- long. I don't because like. We the, hit exactly an hour of the. Podcast. This has become the attack, Lewis. Show. I didn't try to attack you. I was trying to agree with you on this. Hey, hey, Kellen, I. Don't, don't agree with this person, but this person thinks you're a dick. No, but I wasn't trying Debate. to attack you. I was trying to help you agree with the situation. <laughs> I was literally trying to help you, and now you're coming back. Hey, Kellum, I don't agree with this person, but this person says you murdered five people last is week. That not what, is that not what Steve did reading out? Debate. Steve last night on the show read out an email of someone attacking me and said, Kellen, I don't necessarily agree with this, but what do you think? I was How's really that? happy he read that out, because on Twitter he only shares the comments that slag me off so i was really happy to see it go the other way yeah well look i got called out for one so there you go yeah it's not nice is it not really now you know how it feels to be the victim (laughs) well apologies lewis i was trying to agree with you but um yeah so that's episode three of lvk more than moto thank you guys for tuning into this episode lewis thank you for stopping by again and debating and hopefully uh you're okay with the topics we discussed today i am i preferred this week's episode to last week's yeah well, I, you're very um, keen to talk about the status of media in the sport. And can you tell, can you imagine what it's like in my head. <laughs> so that was, we kind of had a media podcast a little bit. But uh, yeah, good stuff. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in. Uh, and big shout out, of course, to EVS Sports, Namura, and Racetech for backing the show. Uh, this week coming up, A2 Triple Crown. We're going to have a lot of fun topics to discuss after that. Lewis and I will both be there again this weekend. And uh, looking forward to talking about that and more after Anaheim 2. Thanks, guys, for tuning in. See you next week.